Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Drifting Prime, and I am Gerald Hernandez. And tonight's guest is Scotty D, who competes in Just Drift in a green Mustang. New Edge, I think. Don't quote me on that. And he makes his own parts. He actually makes um, the uh, some angle kits for S197 and the New Edge. And I think, which is like, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that stuff is like from the late 60s, early 70s, all the way up to like 04. I could be wrong. Don't quote me on that. Um, not a Mustang guy, per se. Talks about his drifting, uh, engineering a lot, because he's a lot way, way, way smarter than me. And just a, a wealth of information from this guy. So I hope you guys learn a lot from it. Maybe uh, he'll give you some stuff to look up so you guys can actually have more of an understanding if you don't already. Uh, I know I didn't, so those will, be, those will be some things I'll be looking up soon. But uh, I hope you guys enjoy the show. Thank you. So what's up, man? How's everything? It's good. It's good. I've been uh, laying low a little bit with the car and motorcycle stuff just because of uh, paying off some debt. But... Uh, yeah, I'm not running this last round, but I'm going to be out for the second Voodoo Bash this year in September, and uh, then after that, I'm going to do a little bit more involved stuff to the car. Okay. Uh, but I've just been, I mean, like, <clears throat> my day job has kind of been, like, really demanding, so I haven't really cared that much about the drifting stuff, I do care about. I just don't like, you know what I mean? Like, it's not priority your priority. Number one, it's, yeah. No, that yeah. makes sense. Anyways, uh, for people who don't know who you are, sir, if you can go ahead and introduce yourself. <laughs> All right. Uh, I am Scotty D. Um, I am the driver of a green Mustang. Uh, obviously, Mustangs aren't very common drift cars, so um, it's not too many of us. If you've seen a bright green one, that's mine. Um, Scotty D63 on Instagram, Scotty D63 on YouTube, uh, and then also have a Facebook page. Um, if you search, I think it's OG Scotty D63. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I do a lot of different stuff. Uh, I did motorcycle headlight retrofits for five years. Um, that's how I made the move out to California. That was what kept me afloat while I was looking for a day job. And then I recently started Scotty D race development, which is drift specific parts for Mustangs. Um, so I make, uh, angle kits. So they're drop spindles. It's all standalone stuff. Um, I make control arms. I make dual caliper brackets. I make hand brakes and spoilers and rear control arms. And I just released, um, an S197 angle kit, um, 60 degrees of angle. It's all standalone again, two inch drop spindle, double shear ball joint, double shear tie rods. Um, there's also a control arm kit for both chassis to use stock style spindles that have been modified with a extended control arm. Um, and also released a new version of the Fox chassis angle kit that uses S197 slash S550 brake mounting so um you can put anything from uh the two piston s197 brakes all the way up to the six piston 
S550 giant Brembo's on. So oh, nice. that's a pretty cool thing that came out. Yeah, so doing a lot in like the Mustang world. Um, and obviously, you've seen my handbrake. Some people like that thing, the lightning bolt handbrake. So, so do I. <laughs> that's what I do. I just... Uh... <laughs> I have little bitch hands, so grabbing <laughs> that thing would, wouldn't wouldn't work so well for me. It's not too bad. Yeah, I have uh, very very small, short, stubby fingers, so <laughs> it's an unfortunate event, but it is what it is. Uh, just to go back on like uh, what you were talking about right now, as far as making it out here, you kind of have like an interesting story, which is why I wanted to bring you on. I just think it might be relatable to somebody who might be in a similar situation who doesn't who wants to do it even though yeah your goals might be different from somebody else's but the fact that you're still able to do it yeah so i mean like first of all like a big part of it is i encourage like everybody to start their own business and by that i don't mean like aim to have a huge business but basically you should be developing a skill set or a passion or something that's you're so involved with that it could be a money maker. Like, I mean, anything that you could do, you could do knitting, you could do like food prep, you could do making angle kits or like whatever, you know, like there's anything that you could do that will bring you money outside of like a regular job. Um, I mean, I'm fortunate that I'm an engineer. It's like I have an engineering background, so my day job is pretty good, but I still hustle on the side. Like, the past like three years I've sold $30,000 worth of product every year on top of my day job. So, um, but the big thing is when I moved out here, I didn't know anybody and I didn't have a job lined up. I just knew I wanted to be in Southern California because I wanted to be around racing and motorcycles and stuff like that. So, um, I basically took a month to sell everything that I had and, and then packed up whatever was left. And I drove out here and I actually drove my drift car with the trailer on the back of it and my motorcycle on the trailer. Um, it already, it was like fully gutted and had fixed back racing seats with harnesses and um, like a really loud exhaust. And uh, I drove it 2000 miles from Wisconsin to California. And uh, I landed in Lancaster at first just cause it was really cheap. Um, <clears throat> took me a long time to find a job which is ironic because I'm an engineer, but it was just a challenge. Uh, but I maintained my living by doing the headlights that I did. So I made like, you know, the headlights with halos and stuff on them for motorcycles and made a pretty good business doing that. So it took me six months to find like a regular job. And then I had that job for six months and hated it. So I left and then I did the headlights for another seven months after that. And then finally got like another engineering job that didn't pay so good, but then made the jump from there to another engineering job that paid pretty good. And then uh, I got the job that I have now, which is like a really good job. Um, And then I moved down to Torrance in October. So uh, night and day difference from living in the desert (laughs) to to moving a mile away from the ocean. Um, But it's just that persistence of uh, like, not letting a setback stop you you just you know it's it's a, ch- a chance to learn like how you can maneuver your life around those obstacles like they should never be a stopping point it's just a, a challenge to see what you can learn and like move forward but i mean honestly for anybody who wants to like pursue i wouldn't even say move to california but pursue like 
a passion more than just succumbing to staying in their hometown their whole life. Um, the biggest thing is that you you can't wait until you're ready. Like you, there's never a ready time. The only thing that you're going to be ready for is the fact that you're going to encounter things that you don't know how to overcome yet. But you have to go into it with the idea that like, hey, I'm going to overcome this. I'm going to be smarter from it. It's like the difference between like going to school and you know when you're in school you're just like dreading homework and dreading like everything and you know you you have like you do the bare minimum just to get by versus like actually understanding that there's something to learn and it could be useful and that you might as well focus on it so i think that a lot of people start off as the former you know they're always like a little bit like oh man like this is so challenging like this sucks i just want to be done with it but i think that a lot of people forget that like most of the fun in anything is learning it and like being able to look back on like something and saying like, Hey, I used to not be able to do that. And now I can do that. And like, that's really where the satisfaction comes from. So that was the mentality of moving out here. was like, yeah, I might not know what I'm getting myself into and it might be a pretty steep hill to climb, but I know that when it's done, like I'll at least be able to say like, I made the effort to move to California and pursue stuff. So um, I mean, it, it is a really cool story and I, a lot of people don't know it, but, um, I hope that <laughs> people can use it as like motivation for them to do their own thing. Yeah. I, I think people can, I think some people might not be in an area where a pro two license is really obtainable. Well, so, and that's the thing with like, it, it, does, it wouldn't even matter if I had like, yeah, yeah. I mean in the Midwest, like. I lived in Wisconsin. There was like four or five events a year and they were like two and a half hours away from me. Like it was not doable. Everybody that drifts in Wisconsin is not very good. Like even if you look at like Midwest drift union, the people that come out of there are like not at the level that like Southern California drivers are at just because we have so many different environments to drift in. Like in the Midwest, like you either, you're either drifting the same track every time or it's just a parking lot with cones set up. And I think that especially drifting at Willow, like you have obstacles and environments that you can't suck at. And that's the one thing like about drift league. That's very interesting is you have a mixture of both, right? You have like the very forgiving, like cone layout, but you mm-hmm. also have the really unforgiving walls that you guys are up against. And even that environment, like you can run into the wall real easy there. Obviously, you know that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So uh-huh. I think that, you know, like you watch a lot of these like pro-am series, like the videos of them. I, I've done a lot of research on drifting. I'm fairly uh, involved, obviously. Like it, it was a thing for me that I wanted to know as much about it as I could. Mm. And so I've watched like everything. Like I watched how Dirk came up and I've watched how like uh, Jeff Donati came up. And, you know, these are Midwest Drift Union people and um the, like the the tracks that they were running back there were like really tame like even the runoff was just like the grass was even with the pavement so if you ran off like you'd just be in the grass but i think that you know living here you you truly do have an advantage of like we have some of the most brutal tracks to drive on like even seeing people slam into the greenhouse on balcony and total their cars like <laughs> it's very real you know yeah that's... like there's walt there's walls on balcony. There's all the drops on horse thief. There's the walled oval. Like there's the drop offs on Grange. There's Adams with all the drop offs. There's Irwindale with the walls. 
you know, all those places have like their opportunity to be forgiving, but they also have a bigger opportunity to just, you know, show you that life is real because like with the walls at balcony, I was like, I was super afraid of those. I think I still am yeah. too. Well, and the thing with that is like, unfortunately the only way that you're ever going to learn like what too far is, is by hitting one, you know? Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. you can't like, there's just, it's like anything else. Like, I mean, I do wheelies and stoppies on my motorcycle and unfortunately the only way to know how far too far is on a wheelie is to fucking loop a bike. So like it's just part of this this motorsport. At least you're in a vehicle and you're not gonna get like beat up by hitting a wall, just your car is, but Yeah, for the most part. I mean Yeah. And then you recently but, uh fell, didn't you, on your bike? Oh yeah, that's that's exactly it. Yeah. yeah. I was doing a wheelie and Got a little cocky with it, but we're good. <laughs> Built the stunt bike for that. So life's all about humbling experiences. <laughs> yeah, man, it was funny. It was like like twenty mile an hour. I was just letting it coast to slow it down. Like I was doing, like it felt really good, <laughs> and then it didn't. <laughs> but um, yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, living in, living in the Midwest would like. There's no matter like what the opportunity wasn't there per se. I mean, what's really funny is my second drift event ever. Um, I actually, I did two in Wisconsin and the second one that I went to, like my Mustang was still pretty stock. Like there wasn't anything drift specific about it. It just had a suspension on it and like the, the interior ripped out of it. But uh, I actually pitted next to Matt Sopa, who is the, uh, the the send it guy for Formula Drift, um, who's also a Mustang dude. So it was pretty interesting. He's he lives in Arizona now, um, but it was really funny to see like the full circle of that because you know who how are you to know like who's going where later on? But we both encounter each other quite a bit now because of the Formula Drift stuff. Oh, and yeah, he's got a cool uh, fusion build too. Yeah, that thing's sweet. <laughs> yeah, I saw that the other day. Um, what made you, because I remember, like, I met you at a Grange, at a Slide Factory event, and I remember yeah. you mostly did it for fun. What made you decide to compete? Well, I felt like I hit a wall with, like, the Slide Factory and, like, the fun events. Um, I hit a point where I didn't want to drive with anybody else at those events because, like, nobody was consistent. And... uh I just wanted to drive like with people that were better than me so that I could learn from them and kind of be judged at the same standards as like the really good people. I knew that I wasn't going to do well and I don't like, I'm still not aiming for anything formula drift related, but as far as like learning goes, I just wanted to be able to, you know, expedite my learning by putting myself in an environment um, that was with good people. And I felt like I waited long enough that I wasn't going to be like messing up people and like being in the way the whole time. I mean, I still have made some mistakes, but that's what happens to all of us. And, uh, yeah, it's been good though. I mean, like I made like a whole bunch of progress even in the past, just the two events this year. Um, I wanted to run this last round cause I, I love this walled oval, but, um, part of me wanted to be a little bit of a responsible adult kind of clear up some debt so I could, make bigger moves in the future. Like, um, I'm still not planning on like pro pro. 
Um, but I do plan to do like Coyote T56 and IRS in my car just to at least be at like the playing level as the people doing Pro-Am. Yeah. Um, Cause I'd like to at least, you know, say that I was decent at that and, and I'm not aiming for a Pro 2 license, but that that's kind of like the benchmark, right? Is like, if yeah. I can get top three in the series, then I uh, know that like, it's, it's you've been yeah. successful, but that does not necessarily, that's not necessarily you not being unsuccessful if you don't get it, if depending yeah. on what your goals are. Well, and I mean, the, the reality is, like, I'm an engineer by day. I make, like, really good money. So, like, to stop doing what I do by day and, like, pursue this is kind of foolish for me at this point. So, like, it's very fun. And I think that, like, that's a point that's often missed is that you don't have to try to go to Pro 2. Like, yeah. You can just keep having fun and, like, progress your driving. and. I think that a lot of people don't see, like, if you're actually trying to make drifting a career, you don't have to go to Formula Drift. Like, I mean, Adam LZ had 2 million subscribers before he even touched Formula Drift, you know? Yeah, that's not something I'm trying to do is make it a career. I think that's completely different. Right. And, and like, the thing is, like, even if you were to, I, I call it, like, Matt Powers, you know, where you just, like, a... You're just like a exhibition driver and then you do like stunt driving in your free time or whatever. But I think that you have to like earn the rapport before you start to think that it's actually a possible career. I think I, I wish I, I guess it's in bad taste to say for some people, but drifting doesn't make money inherently like you're not no. going to make money just drifting like it's not a money maker. The people that make it a career are the people who do extra stuff outside that, like Chris and Ryan are doing all these shows and a million different things, and it took them forever to get to this point. And then you look at Vaughn, he's got RTR, and he does a million drift demos too. Yep. And then on the same spectrum of stuff, you can look at somebody like Matt Kaufman, who still drives FD Pro 1 every year, but have you ever seen him do anything else? Nope. Like, I have not seen, and that's the thing is, I've like, who does the All Star Bash and stuff like right, that? He does those like, events. You're not getting paid for that. And he's yeah, not, exactly. Like, doing advertisements or anything like that. He doesn't do stunt driving. I think the most that he does is like, I think he has some affiliation with Dirtfish, but I'm not quite sure. Um, but I mean, most of these people have an abundance of funding that is allowing them to do Formula Drift. It's not the other way around. They're spending way more money than they're then they're getting back and oh, for real. Like, at, at the most with sponsorships, you might be like breaking even and, and some people might like live in the realm that like the sponsorship money could kind of be considered an income. And I think that that's an agreement that varies based on your sponsors. But, um, you know, that's, I guess it's just for me, it's, it's more like you should have something that's guaranteed and then, like let that cushion your drifting instead of, you know, worrying every day about what you're going to do for money because you're not making ends meet because you're chasing racing so hard. Yeah, I agree with that. I think I'm in the same boat. Like I want to, I want to be able to keep it as my hobby instead of my job because I think I'll end up hating it. Well, and it's, it's just, it's not unrealistic. It's just like, you have to be willing to give that up. I mean, look at how often Chris, Ryan, Vaughn are on the road, you know? 
they went to Goodwood, then they came back and did something else, and now literally Chris flew back and was back in the shop on Sunday night and then getting his twin turbo demo car ready for uh, Grid Life Colorado this week, and then he's going to go to Grid Life. And, like, you know, you have to be willing to accept that lifestyle, and you still have to climb a huge mountain to get to the point where they're at. And that's why, again, full circle back to the original point, like I think that everybody should have their own business because that's really what like funds the extra stuff, you know, like especially if you're not like doing much like, you know, if you if you have like a like a 40 hour a week job, like even and especially in Southern California, like no matter who you are, like it's hard to to live on an average salary here, let alone pursue drifting. (laughs) So that's where that extra income like kind of helps you pursue that. Yeah. Um, And, and it's like, it also, it's like a win-win situation because if you're like doing your own passion and making it a business, you're also removing yourself from like meaningless social situations. Like I think that, (laughs) maybe not a lot of people realize, but like the really dedicated people in drifting are pretty big introverts because we're so involved with what we're doing for work. Like I spend a lot of time by myself just because most of the time I'm either designing something or packing something up to ship out or going to get the parts or doing whatever. Like half of my free time is like the logistics and business side of the Scotty D race development. And the same thing goes, like, if you go talk to Grim, like, Grim's in the shop by himself, like, 75% of the time, just hustling away. And, uh, you know, it keeps you out of, like, the meaningless, like, going to the bar every night of the weekend or, you know, just, it it really helps you, like, prioritize what's important in your life. And it, it kind does. of just naturally filters out, like, the people who aren't supposed to be there and stuff. Yeah, because if you think about, like, let's say you go to a bar, that's 200 bucks in a night. Yeah. Easy. You know, that doesn't even yep. include the dinner you go eat after because you're drunk and hungry. <laughs> so And the fact that, like, you're going to feel like crap the next day, like, and that, like, it, it really does, like, full circle. Because if you have something to do on a Saturday, you don't even want to go on on a Friday because you're, like, looking forward to it. Like, you know, like, you, you're like, crap, I got all this to do on a Saturday. And whether, I mean, you know, like, if it's just being in the garage, like, getting your car ready, like, or whatever it is. But, I mean, this hobby is, like, it's it's a lifestyle. It's not just, like, a, it's not just, like, a weekend warrior thing. Like, I mean, you're, you have to dedicate a good portion of your life, especially if you're a working man like we are and, and you don't have, like, the, the exterior funds that yeah. other people do. Yeah, remember you're gonna be at work at what eight hours a day, and if you live in SoCal, that's uh, that could be anywhere from like a one to two hour drive into work yep. and home, you know, each way. So just depending on where you're at. Yeah, but you know, and, and I mean that's part of it is like even relationships, like whatever relationship you're in, like your significant other has to understand that that's important to you, and they have to appreciate and respect that you value, you know, what you're doing and. And that's, I mean, that's been a big part for me too, is like, you know, it's a struggle because most of the time, not just, not just significant others, but friends don't understand like that. Not only do you 
have to be in the garage to get your car ready or to get something done, but you want to be there because it's, it's fun. Like working on my, I like working on my car. Like, so <laughs> I don't I. like working on it because of necessity, but like, I like working on it because it makes me feel good when it's done. And I'm like, you know, like, again, that, that idea of like, I did this and you know, I feel accomplished. Yeah. I feel that too. Um, I think it kind of like a lot of my friendships have ended outside of not ended. They're just not, they're just not what they once were like outside of drifting. So, like, yeah, and, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that because I yeah. think that like there's a lot of really good people in drifting. Oh, like, I agree. I think there's a lot of good people, and the thing is, the nature of the sport is so. How do you want to say it? Like it's so family esque. Like, you know, you don't. We, we <laughs> somebody breaks something, and every team is helping them, and I can you know, see even that. in the pits, you're like. You're like somebody like, oh, can I borrow this or can I borrow that or do you have an extra tie rod or like, yeah, you know, somebody gets knocked out and they're like, you can use my tires and we'll figure it out later. Like, that's what I love about drifting and and like the stunt aspect of motorcycles is both of them are very, they're very like artistic motorsports, and because they're artistic motorsports, there's not so much of a competitive nature to it. In the sense that, like, in a drift battle, you knock yourself out almost every time. Like, you know, it's not like the person can do anything offensively to stop you from doing the best you can. Without being called um, out on it. Exactly. And yeah. I mean, obviously, cue the Forsberg parking it meme from Seattle. But, I, you know, aside whatever theories people want to have, like... You know, it's the sense that like people have a battle and they get out and high five each other, no matter what, no matter yeah, who won. Like it's exactly. just like this is cool shit. Like, and as and, much as you want to win, yeah, right. But it's still you that knocks you out. You know, either you mess up on your lead or you mess up on your chase. Like, it's you that knocks you out. Yeah, and that's uh, but a lot. What I notice a lot is a lot of people within drifting do want to see other people do well. Like, yeah, they enjoy the definitely. show just as much as anybody else does, and they're like, well, if you need something. It, in the, yeah, yeah, totally. And, I mean, that's the thing. Like, I've, you know, that's what I liked being about in, in the pro-am level is that, like, even, you know, you got Tim Cobb who's judging, and he's texting me while he's judging, like, hey, do this, do that, do this, you know? <laughs> yeah, just to be better, right? Just, yeah, and, I mean, like, He's not, there's no like cheating going on there because I'm the one driving the car at, at any point. Like it's my choice to drive better to, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's still on you no matter what. And we all live in this family. That's like, it feels very like high school esque too, especially when you're in like formula drift side of things. Like when I was crewing for Kevin last year, you see everybody eight times a year, if not more. And it's always the same group of people. So no matter what kind of beef you come across, like you have to like, figure it out where you're civil because you're always, it's such a small community community relatively to other things that you have to make it work. And at some point, no matter what you're like, dang, I have respect for that person because they did this or because I did that. And I think that just because we know each other so well, that's where any of the, the disagreements might happen. It's like family, you know, yeah. <laughs> we know so much about each other that, we can be nitpicky about each other. 
You know, you know, that's a good question. Um, for anybody who hasn't been able to like crew for a team who is in prime, do you think that was that is a good um experience to have? So when you do go to FD, you know what to expect. Um, I definitely think it is. I think that the the big disclaimer is that you you most likely aren't going to get paid for it. Like what you're going to get is like, you're going to get your airfare and your food comps and like your hotel, like you're just going to get to go for free, but you're not going to get paid to do it. And you're not going to watch the show. I assume you're going to be working your ass off. Oh yeah. No, you don't get to see shit. (laughs) If you, if you, if you want to see it, um, you get Texas where you get the big screen and you get live stream. That's about it. Any other track, you can't see it. Um, and unless your guy gets knocked out in the 32, um, you're not going to see any of it. But if they get knocked out in the 32 or even 16, you'll get to go sit in stands and watch the rest of it. But, I mean, it will teach you quite a bit about drifting. 90% of drifting is preparation and car maintenance. Like, if the car isn't working, then you're not going to do anything. And 1,000-horsepower cars that are trying to spin big meats at the lowest pressure as possible. They're going to break everything that they can and they're going to rattle every piece on them loose. Like you learn so much with being on a crew, but there's two parts about it. Don't expect to make money. And the second part is don't fanboy out. Like that's the, the one thing is like, you have to be there to learn not to, you know, fanboy out and to be like, Oh man, look what I'm doing. Like, you have to be there to observe and and to like really put in the time and the effort. But most of the time, you're going to have to develop the skills to know how to work on those cars before you get to that environment because they're not going to want to hire somebody that they have to teach. Yeah. So I can see like, that. That's part of the the encouragement of like working on your own stuff. You know, like even learning like the alignments. Like I know hella people hire uh, OC Mobile Alignment to do their alignments, which is great. Shout out to you, that boy. Tanner. Um, yeah, Tanner. But uh, but I, I encourage to ask questions even if somebody else is doing the stuff for you and like ask if you can get your hands dirty um, while doing it. I mean, then you're going to learn everything. But um, if, if you do drift, even if you're in Pro-Am or even if you're just doing fun events, start to like take your car as seriously as possible and like nut and bolted after every event and you know check everything over because you want to do like preventative stuff not yeah like post (laughs) post damage like you don't want to be like oh man my alignment was all out of whack i don't know why but yeah that's it's very like easy to to just do that once over i always do it like the night before just to know like what what i what i have i'll do it a few days before but even the night before i'm just doing like last minute checks but rule of thumb there just always check your alignment too before yeah. you go on the I like track to, i like to do it before i load it on the trailer yeah and pro tip there if you load your car on the trailer don't tie it down with the suspension arms yeah tie it down with tow hooks or the subframes yeah because uh, my last car wasn't allowed to do that yeah, you definitely need those provisions because I have heard so many times of people being like, "Yeah, I took my car off the trailer and it was like way out of whack because they tied it down, to, like, down with the wheels." Control arm. Yeah. Or, with the control arms, and they just pulled the alignment way out of whack. Yeah, I know. I have a friend who um, 
who ties it down from his wheels on all four corners. I'm like, that's not bad though, but it leaves the car bouncy while you're going down the road, you know, because you're not compressing the suspension. Yeah, but when he does it cross, like in the front. Oh yeah. So it's yeah, not necessarily that might do something. That, yeah. Um, but I know I just like on my last car, I didn't have any of those like hook points or yep. anything like that to tie it down to. And on this one, the, uh, the subframe's like 10 times the last si- the size of the last car. So I'm able to, it has like several different points where you could actually hook it in. Yep. So and even like, if you weld them on, you know, I mean, yeah, I didn't, that's you know what, do. It's like, if you have a welder, do it. I have like shitty yep. locations on my trailer. It's terrible. Well, yeah, and I, I like there's so many things that you learn in like building a car. Like it's I that's another part that I love about drifting is that you can't build a shitty car and have it last. Like no. You can build a really crappy street car. Like, you know, you can build a street car that's impossible to work on, but it'll drive down the road and go fast. Mm-hmm. But if you build a car, like a drift car that's put together without any thought into it or you just like putting stuff haphazardly like you're gonna get to a point where you're like man this is constantly in the way <laughs> like you just learn how to like be really efficient with space and and where you put stuff like that's what i love about drift cars is it's like we're trying to do everything and make it all work together like they got to be pretty and stylish and light and fast and grippy and slidey and simple to work on Fun- uh, it's crazy like to yeah meet all those requirements and then still try to make sure like sometimes you know routing certain things may take longer because you're in like a better location like just for like your wiring harness or something or plumbing yeah it may yeah, take a little I mean, longer but it's gonna be worth it when you have to change that out you know under five minutes if you're doing you know comp yeah a big part of that like is watch like specifically watch Matt Fields drift vet build like all those videos like I watched every single one of those I remember, I love that series oh my god it was it's that is like that is like building a drift car and he uses right he uses there. like an angle grinder for most of that stuff like you would think he's using uh you know uh I don't even know what the hell to call him other stuff. <laughs> But he's usually he's mostly using like an angle grinder like to grind everything, and I was like, huh, like even yeah. like the tube um, for his cage. Yeah, I was like, that. I mean, like the thing is, like he, you know, he's a grassroots dude. Like he, yeah, for sure, forever. And the, and like the opposite side of that spectrum, but also like grassroots, but way graduated at this point is Papadakis. Like, dude. I don't care what people say. Like that team is amazing, amazing. And I don't care if you talk crap about the four cylinder and it blowing up all the time, like whatever. He's just transparent. Like nobody else talks about how much they blow up their motors. He does because he doesn't care, you know? He's I think that guy is so not afraid of failure, and that's something so much to look up to. He's like, Yeah, it failed. So what? I'll build yep. another one. <laughs> yep. He's insanely smart and he nails the simplicity yet extremely functional and exotic type stuff like he's so good he's so good and and the engineer in me like you know being an engineer and being involved with this motorsport is like a whole nother level because i see like some of these pro-amp builds or even like 
some of the pro builds, trust me, like you'll see some of the pro builds on grid and you're like, Ooh, man, that is janky. Uh, I've seen, I've seen a couple and I was like, huh, that's, didn't know you could get away with that. There's some really bad ones. Looks good on the outside. Yeah. Some really sketchy stuff, but yeah, the, the, the engineer in me loves what Papadakis does. And like, I mean, that's, I, I've always been like a big nerd. Like I skipped a grade and I like tried to do good in school. Like I've always been that kid that asks like if you're going to collect the homework, you know, <laughs> like yeah. I was that, that jerk. But so like knowing, knowing the right stuff and like always researching is my thing. And those two, I would say like if anybody wants to like actually learn about drift cars and proper builds, like turn off the Instagram hot boys and turn on the Papadakis and Matt field, you know, like, yeah. And you know, one thing I noticed is, uh, those like, for instance, unless uh, either that or I totally missed it. Like when pop, like when Papadakis does something or like when Matt field or anybody who has like a really solid car build something, no one questions why they're doing it that way when somebody else does it differently. Yeah, well, I mean, they explain their thought processes for the most part. Like, Papadakis is super transparent with what he talks about. I mean, he literally, like, his videos are him explaining why he does the thing he does. And he doesn't come off, like, cocky. He's like, "Uh, yeah, I might be wrong. (laughs) Like, his attitude towards it. He's like the Elon Musk of drift cars, seriously. Like, he's so smart, yet he doesn't care if anybody else has his knowledge because that's not what matters. It's not like he's trying to have one over everybody. Like he's just likes to learn and he wants to share that knowledge with everybody else. Yeah. And that's something you really appreciate from somebody else, especially when you're trying to do your own yeah. thing and learn the same things. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, if you like, you know, when somebody can explain why they're doing something, then you know that there's a good reason. Like, you know, like, there's too many people who, you know, why they put a big spoiler on your car. Like, why are you running three piece wheels or, you it know, because like, it looks lit. cool. <laughs> I mean, that's fair, but I don't know. I guess I'm an engineer. It's like, well, why does it right function? Time, so. Yeah, no, I exactly. can see that. No, I can see that. Like, so me, I'm not, I'm not too into like the, uh, the big styling, but then again, I grew up in the era of like hot rods and stuff like that with my dad. And that's kind of what I've always been around. So when like fast and furious came out, I was like, Oh wow, these things are stupid. Why do they have body kits? <laughs> and, and drifting is filled with them. So, yeah, well, and that's like, for me, it's like, even I'm more abstract than that. I've never ha- had like a particular car style. I had a civic. I've had like seven civics. I love them Sick. for fuel economy and for like, for the ability to work on them and the modularity. But do I think civics are fast? Not at all. Do I think civics needs body kits? No way. Um, I love Supras. I love Corvettes. I love Camaros. I love Mustangs. I like anything that functions. Like, I... I don't care if you took, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was going to say, I don't care if you took an Aston Martin and put it on bags and like big stupid wheels and a wide body kit and you parked in a parking lot. I'll hate that Aston Martin. But the Aston Martin drift car that they just built, absolutely love it. Love it. I, I'm so mad, by the way, because that was my plan for the longest time, and I'm still gonna do it. So, give me like three years, and I'll have another one out. Yeah, you know what? It's trying to do something different doesn't 
always work if you're not um, as smart as some of the other people. You got to pay a lot of people to do things. Yeah, yeah. Luckily, I design suspension and stuff. So <laughs> yeah, that's. Uh, I was, I was like, damn, I need to get a book on geometry. And I didn't. Long story short, I didn't graduate high school, nor did I pass algebra. So I was like, shit, I have to learn this if I want to know how to do this. Yeah, but your passion will like really ignite that flame to learn. That's, That's what I was like, the greatest part of it. Yep. Yeah. Like, because especially if you can relate it to something, I know that's like a part that's missed in education, is like the relatability. Correct. And, um, like you do this, do this because you have to, and it's like okay. Yeah, and that's a perfect segue into actually like something that I've been planning on doing for a while now, and is kind of in the works, but. Um, I actually am planning on like right now I'm clearing up debt and that's why I'm like laying low with drifting because I'm trying to have the the funds and the credit to get a shop because I'm going to start this program that I've had in my brain for a long time where I'm going to set up like a scholarship program for young adults to apply to come to the shop and then they'll learn like technical skills and then they'll also learn like social skills and how to use everything in like a successful manner and kind of be like sort of a motivational thing, but also they get to learn like the sort of like the quick route to all this technical stuff. Cause I mean, even me, when I read like car, like the automotive handbooks or whatever you want to call them like it's it's a tough read and i know like most of the stuff they're talking about but i can't imagine like trying to read those books without knowing and to have somebody to just give you like the oh well you want to do it this way because this is what it does i think will really translate well but um that's something that i definitely noticed is like it's hard to learn this stuff if you don't have like the understanding of why you need to know it or I could see that that mm, the understanding of why you need to know it. Yeah. Uh, like, I mean, what, why well, obviously I wish I paid attention now. Like, uh, like, like, but it's the thing, like what does Canva do for you? What does Castor do for you? What does Toen do for you? What does your preload on your shock do? Uh, what does dampening change? How can spring rates affect your ride? What does the sway bar do? Um, why would you want to set your pinion angle a certain way? Uh, you know, why do you want uh, double wishbone suspension over McPherson? Like a lot of those things are directly related to drifting. Yeah, but and that's very... something I don't know anything of. Yeah, so you can come to my my uh, my school. Yeah, and I've and I've tried to um like understand it and see why what like just for instance, I understand like how camber kind of works. You know, when you're throwing it into the corner, you need more camber and I understand that part, but I'm pretty sure there's way more to it than what I actually have in my head. Oh yeah. <laughs> so that's like the miss I'll 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 just put one one bit of information out here just so people understand this and this is something that if people listen to this, I, I would love them to hear is that camber is not inherently good. It's usually a byproduct Correct. of the limitations of the strut mount and how far you push the control arm out. So 
you have to draw that line between the strut top and the ball joint and your wheel can't be too far off of that. So you push the control arm out to get clearance from the frame rails and then you push the strut out to reduce the amount of camber, but the amount that you had to push the control arm out was more than you could push the strut out. So you're just going to have a little bit of static camber because that's what happens. It's not like camber is useful for drifting unless you have a shit ton of caster and you're trying to cancel out some of the camber gain through angle. Yeah, see, those are the things that I need to understand. Like the caster. <laughs> not once did I okay. ever touch caster. I don't even know how to check it. I'm not even going to oh Google my God. it because I don't. Caster is like the most critical thing for the steering feel of your car. <laughs> you know what? That's probably why my car feels like complete trash right now. Like the steering feels uh, terrible. Does it steer too slow or does it steer too fast? Uh. It's going to sound weird. It does both. So when I throw it in, if I throw it in past a certain angle point with, you know, I have modded knuckles, uh, the whole rear end will just come out. If I don't throw enough angle at it, it just won't do anything. Gotcha. Um, So what that seems like is your Ackerman's whack. And then... Also, you might have a big scrub radius, um, but I'd have to see what your car looks like. Trash. Everybody, right <laughs> drifting is about suspension geometry. I know, and, and that's something I really want to learn, and I really need to take my time to do. It's really funny, though, because like I'm on, here's the ironic thing. I'm an engineer who has designed drifting suspension for Mustangs, yet in the Mustang community, like it's the hardest thing for me to get the point across to people because they don't want to hear the engineering side of things. Like I literally had a discussion with people the other day where somebody asked how to get more angle out of an S197 and somebody just said, Oh, you don't need extended control arms. Just put inch and a half wheel spacers on the front. Sick. <laughs> wow. And I'm like, Oh my God. Like, and then like people were like, upvoting it like crazy like it had like seven likes on like it. i i understand to... the extended control arms like it moves the pivot point i get it well scrub radius is a big part of it so scrub radius is how far away the center of your tire is mm-hmm. from the axis of your steering so if you think about like zero scrub radius would be the center of your tire is exactly where your steering is pivoting but most cases with drifting especially if you put a wheel spacer on it's pushing the tire outside of that. So your whole wheel is rotating around the steering pivot instead of the center of your tire turning on the pivot point. Where it's supposed to. Yes. So if you put inch and a half wheel spaces on, you have this giant moment. So a moment is a force at a distance, which is basically like a torque, but not a torque. Um, So basically, if you have a big steering or a scrub radius, as your wheel turns, like the weight of the whole spindle and wheel assembly is going to make it turn more than you want it to. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. And and you'll get really weird, like, braking and acceleration, like, toe-in and toe-out characteristics because of 
the forces on them. Watch Which, Engineering Explained. He does a really good job. Engineering Explained does a really good job of a lot of Does it show you how shit. it actually moves? Because my thing is I have to yeah. actually physically see it um, to understand it. Once I see it, I, nine times out of ten, I, it registers. And I'm able okay. like, to retain so, the information. So the best way to understand like scrub radius is like, you know what a compass is like to draw a circle on paper, not like a north-south compass, but like the drawing compass? No, I, I've never... Never. Really? Um, no, I don't. I don't okay. think I've ever. So it's got that. like the point, and then it's got like the pencil stuck in the other part, and okay. you can set it at whatever angle you want, and then it draws circles. Okay. Oh, the compass. The actual. Sorry. Yes. The tool. <laughs> yes. Got it to make yes. a, so, a correct circle. Yes. All right. So picture like if the compass was all the way closed. Okay. So the pencil is your wheel, and the point is your steering axis. And if you spin it around in a circle... And your steering, your steering axis spin- would essentially be your ball joint, correct? Or the lower ball joint of... Well, it's, it's the line between your strut top and your ball joint, assuming that you have McPherson. Okay. So, you can see, like, the wheel is just pivoting around that steering point, no problem. But if you take that compass and you spread it out... Now the pencil is your wheel, and it's swinging around that steering axis. And you got to think all that mass, like your wheel, your spindle, your brake, is all swinging around your your steering axis with all that weight. So anytime that the steering gets any further than, like what the, like if it gets any like bit of angle whatsoever the weight of all that stuff is just going to pull the steering wheel the rest of the way to angle to your max angle. Okay. And that's, so that's only... like if you drive around. Go I was going to say that's, so what you're saying is like, let's just compare it to the circumference of a dime and the circumference of like a silver dollar. Or sure. Does that not make sense? Well, basically, it's just the idea that the less scrub radius you have, the more that you have control of the steering wheel. Okay. So, like, if have you ever, like, driven around the pits and you, like, turn the steering wheel, like, a half a turn or, like, three quarters of a turn, and then it just, if you let it go, it just steer the rest of the way to angle? No, I haven't. Really? So, that's how, like, most cars with the big scrub radius is, like... You turn the wheel a little bit, uh-huh. and then you just keep driving. It'll just turn itself all the way to full lock instead of correcting itself back to center. Okay. No, I, I so don't. That's, I don't believe I have. Okay. So that's if you'll you'll if you feel that that means you have like a really messed up scrub radius, which happens on a lot of people's drift cars because they either put like really low offset front wheels or they put a wheel spacer or some other crazy thing, but. Most people don't understand that they have like this scrub radius that needs to be close to zero to have proper steering feel. Okay, so no wheel spacers. Correct. <laughs> okay. Well, I no, mean, I'm if you have like a getting this if in. you have like a thirty-five offset wheel, uh huh, you probably could use a little one to get it back to like a good scrub radius because you could be on the other side of that where you're like you're like a negative scrub radius. Like mine's at twenty-two right but, now. That's probably a good offset. I mean, it depends on the car, but it's yeah, usually a good so. offset. 
Good course. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would watch, like, that's another thing, watching those Engineering Explained videos. Like, he's, that guy's pretty good at explaining a lot of this stuff, too. Um, he's a lot more theoretical, but it gives you a good idea of what everything is. Yeah, that's something I definitely need to look into, because I'm trying to get, like, the full understanding of things, because not knowing does not help. And even in, like, the backyard again redneckiest most way you could just go to the track and just fucking slam the caster all the way one way and slam it all the way the other way and feel what the difference is and then you could tow in and then tow out and feel what the difference is and then you could camber in and camber out and feel what the difference is and keep playing that way i mean and what i did to really learn like how ackerman affected driving is i had like two different sets of spindles with different ackerman settings Mm -hmm. and i drove both of them and before you just had like modified knuckles right you didn't have what you have now if i'm not mistaken yeah i I did three different versions of modified knuckles um and that's what allowed me to like really feel what the setup was doing and then that's when i designed what i designed is that how is that how it just kind of like snowballed into what it is now yeah, and even, like, the knuckles that are on my car aren't even the ones that I sell. Like, the ones I have on my car are, like, prototype adjustable Ackerman setup. So um, I can change them from, like, true Ackerman to less Ackerman to, like, negative Ackerman, which is not what you want. But um, there's, like, all these adjustments just so I can feel even more. Huh, okay. That's kind of cool. I wish I had something like that, but I do not. But you know what, hey, when it comes to having, like, more settings available to you, if you're, like, new, which I I really relatively still am, or I am, uh, that shit can become so confusing. Yeah, and just, I totally agree. It's I think, like, the best thing that you can do is just to get, like, a good starting point from somebody who knows, like, what a good starting point is. Yeah. And then... And then, like, once you have that baseline, like, go mess it up on your own. Like, go, like, once you, like, okay, I know, like, between four and eight degrees of caster is good. Then go put it at, like, 12 or, like, just, you know, slam the strut tops one way and then slam them the other way. Like, you don't even have to know what the value is. You just know that one extreme is, feels one way and one extreme feels the other way. Yeah. And then you can kind of fine-tune where you like it in the middle. Um, and the same thing goes for, like, toe in and toe out, like... I mean, drive with zero toe and then drive with an eighth out and drive with a quarter out and feel like the differences because you'll be able to initiate faster, but maybe you don't want to initiate faster. Maybe you want like a more stable feeling because it's squirming around on run up, like then take some, you know, put some toe in. Um, But that's all you can do, especially if you're like a layman, you just try the different settings so that it makes sense in your brain. And don't do what some people do and just try to put a shit ton of grip in the car right away and learn that way. Cause you're going to have a bad time. Like drive it super floaty at first and then slowly bring the grip in, like leave the rear toe set at zero, put a bunch of PSI in the tires, drive it where it's not going anywhere, but you're blowing the tires off and then bring the PSI down, bring the PSI down, bring the PSI down. And then if you're like, okay, it drives good straight, but when I'm sideways, it still feels like it's not going anywhere, then you can put some toe in in the rear because it'll give you a little bit of side bite and just keep going from there. 
Good to know. I gotta start. I really need to set up like a test day, which I plan on doing next month at Willow at some point. So yeah. I can actually play and deal with all that fun stuff. Yeah, that's smart. Do you have an extra set of knuckles? I don't. Uh, I need to go get some. You should, and then what you should do is like have them welded slightly different. I can give you like pointers on how to do the Ackerman, but um, you should have them like at a different Ackerman setting so you can feel which one you like better because it changes a lot. <laughs> well, the biggest issue right now is uh, the uh, on the knuckle itself where the tie rod goes in, that'll actually slam into the lower mount for the coilover. Just the gotcha. way it's designed. Um, so we had to move it a little bit from the be- from the get-go, like when he originally uh, did my knuckles. I was like, oh, it hit yeah. right away. And this was like at zero toe and everything like that. Um, so we moved a little bit and... You know, I didn't drive it beforehand to see what it was really like, but now I'm noticing it is kind of, I'm just not a huge fan of it, so I'm trying to still figure it out, but I'm trying to play with as much settings as I can and kind of understand them so I can actually give him decent feedback so we can R&D them correctly. Yeah, well, good news for you is Trent just bought a CTSV and is probably going to have me make an angle kit for it, so... There might be a Scotty D one for the Cadillac soon. I know. And judging by your prices, if it's not much more than what your current stuff is going for, it seems affordable for me. Yeah, I mean, it should be about the same. Um, It all depends on, like, how crazy it is. It's Um, double wishbone. You know that, right? I did not. (laughs) (laughs) Nice giggle. Yeah, it's double wishbone. (laughs) That might be easier, but might not. Um, no, it'll be definitely more expensive then because the whole upper arm. Mm-hmm. But, um, so, not bad. We'll make it work. Yeah. Uh, the biggest the biggest problem like I'm having right now is, so the lower control arm they're aluminum, so you can't really extend those obviously, like you know they normally would on a. I don't want to call it a makeshift angle kit on a more of a budget friendly angle kit, and. Well, you just got to know somebody who welds aluminum. I do, but. and I thought about that, but then I was like, damn, I don't know. Because the way the, um, you have to see it. Uh, so the way the, the yeah. lower control arm goes in to the subframe is there's like a slot, right? And it can move back and forth to get whatever camber you want. But I don't know if okay. you notice like how on trucks, like it'll, I don't know what the bolt is called. I can't remember. But the one that changes your alignment, but it'll move the control arm for you. Oh, yeah. It's just okay. like a... Uh, like they call them like camber bolts or something I, maybe it might be as simple as that um these don't have that so what you gotta do is you gotta like line it up and then just tighten it and hope it stays oh there's usually washers on it that stop it from moving nope <laughs> none of that well, that's interesting yeah i'll have to send you a picture um the washers like you know how like they normally have the washers like they uh i don't know what they're called they kind of have like those little indents to kind of keep it in place. Yep. Nope. Doesn't have those. Huh. Well, yeah, I'll have to check it out. I mean, maybe it'll be quite a challenge, but 
I'm down for it. Yeah, um, but I was, I was even in the midst of trying to like trying, trying to trying, uh, going to like a shop that sells like all the um, can't heim joints and stuff like that, and trying to make one myself and seeing, yeah, how much I messed that up. <laughs> There's a lot. Yeah. There's a lot, especially in a double wishbone one. But yeah, exactly. What uh, do you have well, any other plans for Scotty D racing stuff, or besides um, that? Right now, like, uh, it's just kind of like going as it is. I mean, I you know because it's not my day job. Like it's not like a very pressing thing. Um, I have like a sheet of things that like are like want to dos. Um, but what I really like to do is just take the challenges as they come. Like I've done some crazy break brackets that people have requested. Like <clears throat> somebody asked for like dual Will Woods on the back of a Mustang. So I made a bracket that uses like two ginormous Will Woods and a 13 inch rotor on the back of a Mustang. So I do stuff like that. And, um, I just, <laughs> it's pretty limited because, uh, you know, I still have a day job and I do motorcycle stuff and then I drift myself. So if there was like 48 hours in a day, I might be able to do it all. But, um, I think like depending on like the success that happens this year, like I might look more into it next year, but, um, it's going pretty well. I've already like, I think I'm at like 20,000 in sales this year already. Not bad. So going pretty fast what are your goals for next year are you still going to be competing or are you done no i'm gonna do it i just like i want to have the car set up like the way i want like i'm i don't make a lot of horsepower and my transmission sucks and i have like a solid rear end that i can't change the gears in so like it's very hard to be competitive because of the primitive nature i mean my car is still full body like it still has every stock panel on it still got the stock windshield stock rear glass stock side window glass stock hood stock trunk everything's factory on it so like i wanted to like really leave it alone for the longest time mm -hmm. um but i think that we're gonna take this winter break ish to tube the whole thing fiberglass over fenders in the rear um and kind of get it set up to be like what I envision as like a proper drift car. Cause right now it's just a street car playing as a drift car, um, minus door panels and windows, but like, it's still like a full stock body car. And, uh, I just, I want it to be more modular. I want it to be like something that like, I'm okay with breaking. Cause I know I can fix it easily. Like it's just not where I wanted it to be, but that's, a part of this whole uh, redevelopment phase this this winter. Mm. Not bad. So I'll come back out. I mean, I'm hoping to have, again, like I said, Coyote T56 IRS for next year. Oh, um, okay. That's your goal for next year. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. So I'm hoping for like 500 wheel and 2,400 pounds. Um, so... Hopefully we get there. It Jesus, should be pretty easy that's... to do. Wait, with yeah. or without you in it? Uh, without. Okay. Yeah. So twenty six with me. Um, it should be doable. It'll be a ripper. Like 
people won't expect it because my car is slow this year. So I know I need to find a rear end too. Uh, the four they make a kit for the eight point eight IRS that comes out of the the IRS Mustangs. What do they? What is okay. that one you have? Uh, well, the IRS is in a Cobra, but yeah, like that's new the, edge. That's the one. So it's yeah. the Cobra diff, and then they make like a bracket that goes into it, and it bolts into our uh, the CTS. And uh, okay, I think the axles are like fifteen hundred bucks, and they're a thousand horsepower axles. Whoa. Yeah. So that's something I'm looking into. I don't think that's gonna happen this year. But if the car ever made it to Pro Two, I don't. I would rather do that than put a winners in it because I don't want to spend the money on winners. Winners is so good, though. <laughs> I know, I heard, but you know what? So There's good. other stuff that's just as good. But I, but I understand. But the convenience of being able to change your, um, the whole pumpkin. Yeah, not necessarily the whole pumpkin. No, well, that's not necessarily a convenience of changing the whole pumpkin. But like, oh, if you got to pull well, the whole, if you got to drop the whole diff, that's kind of a pain. But just to change yeah, like your no. gear ratios. You yeah, know. yeah, on a winners, you're saying yes. Yeah, it's amazing. I was the winter's guy last year for Kevin. Like, <laughs> I I was the only one changing gears last year. Oh wow! Kevin. How did, how did that I work out? That. Did uh, is it something you'd do again? Um, like the only reason I'm not doing it this year is because like it was just so demanding with a full time job that like I would leave work on a Wednesday and like go home, get all my stuff together, go get on a plane fly overnight, be at the track on Thursday morning, do all of Thursday, all of Friday, all of Saturday, and then have like Sunday to like do a little mess around and wherever we were at and then fly home and get back home at like midnight and then go to work on Monday. So it was just like the most chaotic weekends ever. And then eight times a year having to take two days off, like was a stretch for me to ask for my work. Especially because I didn't want to just use all of my vacation for that, so I still wanted to do other stuff. Yeah, I can but, see that. I mean, it's it's cool. Like, it's really cool, and it's again, I love the drifting family, so it was really cool to be around them. But I just this job I have now, I have a lot more responsibilities, so I can't take off twenty days a year. Yeah, uh, damn, that is twenty days a year. Didn't even consider that. Ugh. Well, I mean, like six, 16 just for the, the Formula Drift and then say you want to do something else. Like Yeah, but you got to have a life too, so. Yeah. yeah. God forbid you're sick, like, end up yeah. taking a whole month off of in a year. Yeah, that's a, that's a lot of time to be taken off, and some people may not be as cool with that. Uh, just kind of, I've noticed that just depends on the company and how they are. Yeah, I mean, a lot of these people that are on Drift teams, they either work for the person they're crewing for or they work for like a racing company that understands it so i work for a scooter company that doesn't care about drifting <laughs> so they wouldn't really be understanding of that you work for a sc- that's funny yeah they're I work like for bird man oh shit really damn yeah i'm an engineer for bird <laughs> oh shit that's awesome uh yeah it's pretty cool there's you know i always see those things and then i always see like i'm work. i work on uh i do fire alarms so I'm doing yeah. like a, a tenant improvement on a building. And then for some reason, there's like three of them in electrical rooms just sitting there. That's that's really funny. People just stash them or something. Yeah. I, I think they were just tired of like people playing on them or something like that. So they just shoved it in there. I don't understand why they didn't just leave it. Don't you guys have something to pick them up? 
if they're broken. Yeah, they have tracker. They have trackers on them and stuff. But if they're like completely dead, then they might just be gone. Yeah, that's what I figured. But alrighty then, man. Um, is there anything else that you think we missed or that you wanted to talk about? Um, I I mean we covered a lot. It's been an hour and fifteen minutes or so. Yeah, um, and you're a lot smarter than me, so. No, I mean it's just different different things. I you know more about fire extinguishers than I do. I don't know anything about fire extinguishers. Sprinklers, whatever. Don't know those either. <laughs> we're, we're good. Oh, I'm the th- I just do the stuff <laughs> that monitors them. Oh well, you know about that stuff. Though. There you go. But uh, yeah. Let me know about that uh yeah. that kit you're gonna be making. And yeah. I'm just saying, yeah, my house I mean, is a lot closer than Trenton's shop, which I found. Wait, is his shop in Rosemont? Yeah, he's up there. Yeah, see, my house is a lot closer, so if you want to come look to see what it see what it looks like. Well, I need uh, I need like parts in hand. That's the only thing. Like, oh. I'm gonna have to have like parts in hand. I have so spare have parts like... in hand, except for the knuckles. Well, I need that. That's the most important part. I know. I wanted to get another set anyways for my other car. So. Other car? Yeah, I have another I never have another shell. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, this, this, this cage that's in this car, uh, if you see it, it's terrible. Uh, uh. It comes off, like on the A-pillar, it comes off like six inches, and then there's like this, a huge, huge, um, can't even think of the name right now. Uh, Guess it? Yes. That's going down. Yeah. And it's like a huge blind spot for me. And then not to mention like the, uh, the main hoop is kind of a little too far forward, so I'm kind of limited with my seat. And I'm oh. a shorter driver, so... But I can't move it that at makes all. Sense. As far like any further back or anything you like that. You can always just cut the cage. You could just cut the cage out. Oh, and then I also made uh there's there's a lot of things done to this car that I Oh, just... you cut the back too far. I forgot about that. Yeah. Which I found out you can like just re weld in because I don't care, like it's yep. fine. Yep. But uh there's other stuff too, like the the floor was cut out. I think it would take a lot more work to redo a cage. That makes sense. So, well, we'll see. But hey, man, uh, thank you for coming on. Uh, there, how can people reach you? I know you mentioned it before, but one more time. Yeah, Instagram is the most uh, common thing that I do. It's Scotty D sixty three S C O T T Y D sixty three. You'll see the links to my race development page and the lighting page on there, um, and then. You can also just check out, uh, if you just look up Scotty D Race Development, S-C-O-T-I-D-I is the name of my company, but it's pronounced like my name. Um, You can check anywhere. It's pretty easy to find. If you just search Google or Facebook or Instagram, you'll see all that stuff too. All right. Well, again, thank you, sir. And uh, I will be in touch about that CTSV stuff. Which yeah, thanks hope, for having me. Uh, thank you for coming on, I, which I hope comes through sooner than later. <laughs> I'll try, man. I'll try. Well, nah, we'll no see what happens. Everyone's got a day job. All right, man. Thanks. You have a good night, man. You too. See right. ya. Bye.